Hi all, welcome to OCBC Insights. This is Zhi from OCBC Credit Research. The topic we'll be talking about today is perpetual bonds and I'm joined with Andrew, Ezian and Hongwei. Before we begin, what are perpetual bonds? They are fixed income instruments with no maturity date. As such, it is a hybrid instrument that ranks senior to common equity and junior to straight Berliner bonds within the capital structure of a firm. We are underweight on perpetual bonds as an asset class which comprises corporate perps, REIT perps, bank perps, otherwise known as AT1 capital. So Hongwei, what is the reason for underweighting perpetuals? Oh, hi. Um, for perpetuals itself, uh, as you know, we have uh, moved underweight for this uh, particular asset class. The main reason is because that we believe that for perpetuals, uh, they may face an elevated chance of uh, non-core risk. Um, this is uh, coming because if you think about it, in this uh, weak environment due to COVID-19, a lot of companies may think about conserving uh, cash. Uh, this is uh, due to various reasons. For example, they think that their business outlook is weaker or their access to funding may be uh, curtailed. Therefore, um, uh, it will be more prudent to keep cash on the balance sheet. Cash is king, and so uh, they may think about uh, not calling the perps. And the, the other reason uh, for underweighting uh, this asset class is uh, distribution deferral. Uh, because uh, profitability is coming down, a lot of companies may think about uh, skipping the, paying the payments of uh, dividends and uh, distributions. And then, of course, uh, because of a low interest rates environment, uh, perps uh, with resets as a structure, they may find that their uh, distribution may move down upon uh, resets. Uh, and, and resets, as we know, uh, they, they base off uh, the prevailing interest rates uh, periodically. Given what you have just described, it seems like equity dividends can be paid without coupons or perpetuals being paid. Don't perpetuals rank more senior than equity? Okay, this is a very interesting uh, question. A lot of people think that you know uh, perpetuals are probably a form of bonds and probably ranks more senior than uh, equity. However, in reality, uh, this is not necessarily so. Okay, let, let me just explain what's a convention. The convention is that in a liquidation scenario, uh, perpetuals do get ranked ahead of equity holders. So that means when a company goes into bankruptcy, uh, perpetuals uh, are more senior. However, in this uh, inst instance, uh, I, th I think especially in relation to, for example, uh, Lipo Malls, it could declare an equity uh, dividend. Uh, however, uh, thereafter, it, it may actually plan uh, to stop distribution to pub holders entirely. So it may seem that pub holders are actually at a disadvantage. This is because uh, there's no dividend uh, pusher in place uh, to make sure that, you know, the, for dividend pusher, it will make sure that the, the issuer will also pay the pub holder uh, when he pays the equity holders uh, any dividends. However, uh, in this case, uh, there's still the dividend uh, stopper. So, when Lipo Moss, for example, that chooses not to pay distributions to, a pub, to his pub holders, uh, in the future, he also cannot uh, pay dividends to his equity holders until he decides to pay the pub holders again. I see. So, pub, so REIT pubs have dividend stoppers, but not dividend pushers. And this would mean that the REIT pub holders should pay, pay close attention to di dividend distributions to equity holders. Is that right? 
Yeah, so the fundamentals of a REIT rental income stream is actually very important because there is this broad common misconception that REITs have to pay out their equity dividends, but actually that's not the case. So even for normal companies that are non-REITs, there's no obligation to pay out equities uh, dividends to the equity holders. Maybe this misconception has come from, um, you know, REITs historically being very consistent in paying at least 90% of their taxable income to enjoy the tax transparency. But this doesn't mean that they actually need to do so. If let's say for whatever reason, the tax transparency is not important, for example, REITs where a lot of the assets are not located in Singapore, then it, it doesn't really matter, especially in this kind of very unprecedented times when you don't re when the REIT don't really have enough rental income. So many of them are actually choosing to conserve their uh, cash instead of paying it out to their equity holders. Thanks, Ejen. Since we're on the point of equity dividends from REITs, I would like to understand more from you why we are seeing significant cutback in dividend payments in the recent earnings announcement. So we think the main reason why we are seeing uh, the cuts is usually REITs who are facing problems uh, in terms of their income. So that, that's one. Say, for example, uh, for the hospitality REITs, if they are not getting customers through the door into the hotels or the service residences that they own, then there's really uh, less money to be paid out. And the second thing is it's a preemptive move. So even for REITs who actually still have the income coming in for the first quarter, uh, they are actually, their outlook for the future is getting increasingly uncertain. So instead of using up all the bullets and paying them all now, they are saying to the market, okay, we need to be in cash conservation mode. So we are seeing it really as a, as a two, these two main reasons. Because on top of uh, dividends, don't forget that REITs actually have a lot of fixed costs that they cannot immediately cut. So say for example, they are uh, bank loans or their interest payment and even their staff costs and other uh, administrative costs which they have to pay. Wow, okay. It seems like the REITs may, undergo, may be undergoing a challenging phase. What then happens if the REITs don't pay the perpetual distributions? So in this case, I think it will be quite interesting uh, if they don't pay. Uh, I think as of now, at least in the Singapore space, we have not really seen that happen. But let's say if they uh, don't pay the perpetuals, any distributions, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the equity dividends you know, uh, will not be able to be paid also until uh, the, the REIT decides to pay the perp holders the distribution. Um, and, and just to clarify, uh, by missing the distribution, it is not an event of default. Uh, and more, more uh, notably, uh, the distributions are not cumulative. It means that any distributions that are missed, uh, the REIT doesn't have to uh, pay back in the future also. So that's something to watch out for as a REIT a perpetual holder. That's yeah, sorry, Eden, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt there. Just, just wanted to add a point in that um, the way the documentation is worded is that even if a REIT pays 1% of dividend payout ratio, they would actually still need to pay the perpetual distribution. So we are talking about, uh, say for example, this scenario to really happen, it's really a worst case scenario where a REIT intends to pay nothing to its equity holders before this would actually happen. 
I see. What about AT1s, Andrew? Is this something that AT1 holders should be worried about too? I think for AT1s as a, as a subset perhaps of this asset class, I mean, they're, they're, they're quite similar in form. But as we've covered in, in some other publications, it's actually not that similar in substance. You know, the, the requirement or the nature of, of these AT1 perpetuals is a, a lot more of a necessity for banks as opposed to uh, as opposed to corporates so what that means is that actually the distributions it can also be deferred and there is a risk of a non-call but uh, again because these instruments are necessary um, i think banks will try in general uh, quite hard to um, to pay these coupons uh, when they are due and we have seen that in the last, um, say, two, two months or so, as the banks have re uh, reported, uh, quite a few have deferred their dividends to uh, actually give them the capacity to continue paying these uh, coupons. Now, paying these coupons, um, uh, if, they, if they don't pay it, I should say, it would send a very negative message uh, to the market for these systemically you know, important institutions and their uh, ability to meet their commitments as they come due. Uh, and if they were to defer it, uh, that would send a, a very negative message to the market and would also restrict their ability going forward to issue these instruments. And again, these instruments are, are very much a necessity for maintaining their uh, minimum capital uh, ratios and for lowering their cost of capital. Um, I would say though that uh, again, uh, risk for these instruments is a continuum. So right now, uh, there is no uh, desire or actually need to restrict payments on these instruments for now. But, you know, as the situation continues and if it worsens, then that risk uh, could continue to increase. I see. Thank you, Andrew. So it seems like AT1s, they are quite different from your corporate perks as well as your REIT perks. To sum up, what are the most important points you think the perk holders should keep in mind? I think uh, for me, uh, perk holders should think about uh, having or uh, holding their perks perpetually, uh, given you know that there's an elevated amount of call risk. And also, uh, in this environment today, I think liquidity is quite thin in the market. So they may not be able to find a buyer if they want to you know, sell or liquidate their perks. I think from my side, um, the most important thing that perp holders have to think about is where is the in income stream coming, the, the income stream to support their perpetual distribution. Because if, let's say, touch wood, the worst case scenario happens where um, they actually don't call, then the, the next question is whether or not as a perpetual holder, the income stream is still going to be continuous. I think for me, the, the most important point is the fundamental of, of risk return is really coming out now in a period like this. A lot of uh, people have uh, uh, enjoyed the benefits of these instruments because of the higher coupons. But now that we are in a, uh, in a pandemic, we are in a uh, significantly uh, stressed operating environment. Uh, we are now seeing some of the risks that generate the return becoming a lot more prevalent. Whether that reprices these instruments going forward, uh, 
remains to be seen, but I think at least uh, you know investors are now a lot more wary uh, about uh, what is the underlying risk uh, of these instruments. Thank you, their speakers, for their sharing. So in today's environment, we see heightened non-core risk, possibility of the perpetuals resetting lower or even non-payment of the coupon distribution. So overall, we think that straight Berliner bonds which offer fixed coupons across a fixed horizon are more attractive. With that, we have come to the end of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a podcast from OCBC Bank. Follow us on Spotify for more episodes like the one you've just heard.